Good evening, everyone. Good evening, everyone. How are you? Welcome to Enriching Environments for this Friday evening. I am Charlotte, and this evening I would love to tell you about sibling dynamics, which is a really fascinating and um, hilarious conversation actually because they are so funny the way that they interact with each other and um, and it can be really hard for us to manage because there's so much going on there there's the relationship between them and then our, their relationship with us so um, I think we can dive straight in hey <clears throat> so siblings um, as I said in my post um, on Instagram on two days ago um, yeah we're going to talk about tonight role play we're going to talk about um, conflict resolution we're going to talk about how we can honor this bond between siblings and we're also going to talk about um, what we can do to work on ourselves to um, best support our children in this dynamic so Let's firstly start um, with, uh, with when they first met, they first got to know each other. So whether they bonded instantly, the moment that the young one came from the hospital, or it took months or even years, it doesn't matter. What um, we can really keep in our minds is that um, their lifelong bond will be longer than theirs with ours, with, than with us. They will always have each other. and. Um, the bond that siblings have is part of the whole family dynamic of relationships of understanding about love of understanding about connection of understanding about how trust works and respect works and how families work how friendships work and sibling relationships like family relationships have the like parent-child relationships i mean have the power to heal generational trauma, have the power to um, give our children a really, really healthy example of what um, loving relationships, loving, respectful relations can look like. So our role is to support this and to honour this as much as possible. Um, the first thing I wanted to speak about was play, actually, and how fascinating their play is. Play helps children make sense of their world, which you probably know already. And um, sibling play is particularly interesting because when um, they reach about the age of three, sorry, the younger one is the age of three, that's when they'll really start to play collaboratively. They'll play together, they'll do role plays, and they'll take turns and things like that. Um, from a very, very young age, of course, from babies, from when they're a tiny baby, they um, they will be playing to a certain extent. And I can recall when Harry was little, maybe two, three months, and he'd be lying on his sheepskin looking in his um, floor mirror. So he had an area, as Olivia did, is uh, an area with a mattress and a sheepskin on top of it, and then mirrors on the wall at his, at his height, at floor height. So he could be in his mirror on his sheepskin looking at the rest of the room behind him so even though he was immobile he could see the whole room 
and he was on his tummy and working on his strength and what have you and obviously the light would catch the mirror and shadows and things so it's um it's gentle natural stimulation and letting him be part of the world because he's on floor level and uh, as i said he can see the full reflection so one of my most favorite things when he was tiny was um olivia was two and a half two and three months when he was born and he would be looking in his mirror and he would spot in the reflection that Olivia was coming. And as she approached, his whole body would be quivering with excitement as uh, like this, as he, as she, as she approached. And it was just the most gorgeous thing. And then that was the beginnings of play because then she would literally dive down on the sheepskin next to him and then snuggle him or tickle him or whatever it was. Um, and, um, I just remember that so so clearly how special that was and how then as he got a little bit older then she would read to him I mean when I say reading I mean, it's memorizing the book but she would read books to him and point out things in the pictures and then as he got a bit older she would bring him toys and what have you so this really developed um and it's it's sort of just his responses and it's it's one way in a sense when um when they're little but then as he got older and what I've really seen in the past couple of months is how the play is so collaborative and it is role play and it's taking turns and um, the role play is really, really interesting because that's when you understand more about the dynamic that they have as siblings. Hello everyone who's joined. Just stopping for a moment to say hello to our participants. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining. So Olivia and Harry's um, play really, really started. Um, hello, everyone who's just joined. Olivia and Harry's play really started developing, as I said, a couple of months ago. And the most interesting um, thing that I observed straight away was that um, it was an exact copy of um, the uh, well, basically, we have neighbours who have a who have a Labrador, a blonde Labrador called Frodo, and um, Frodo's owner is called Sabine. And so, in their role play, Frodo is Harry, and Sabine is Olivia. And um, this has been going on for a few months now, and it's really, really interesting to see how this whole role play develops and. Harry is very, very um, submissive or passive in this role play. He's always the dog. He's always got a little, she doesn't put a leash around his neck, obviously, but she puts like a little lead, like a piece of ribbon in his mouth, and she'll be leading him around the house, um, being uh, Olivia very much the dominant one and Harry being the passive or submissive one. And that's so, so interesting because in real life, as it were, when they're not pretending, excuse me, mummy cat just needs to come in. Sorry, everyone. That's what live is all about. <laughs> the cat just wants to come in. Um, so yeah, in real life, it's really interesting because then one would think that it's a different, um, a different dynamic, and that uh, Olivia seems to be the more submissive one and Harry the more active or dominant one. And um, and then you see in their play, it's almost exactly the opposite. So that's what um, I found really fascinating. After I started observing it, I understood that it's not as clear cut as um, as we seem. And as we probably know from all of their play is that they, 
they take different roles and it's like trying on different clothes and then they discard it or they like it or they're trying it on for size. Olivia is trying on this role of being very dominant and very bossy um, but in other times she's not, she's more submissive and if there's um, an argument between her and Harry because he's very very physical and he's very um, his way of connecting is through affection, like he gives the biggest snuggles whether anyone wants it or not. He's all about um, physical and squeezing your neck and all of this stuff. So as an outsider, you can think that Harry's, you know, aggressive and, and he's always very physical and he doesn't respect Olivia's boundaries. But then we see in the play that looks completely, um, that looks completely different. And each of them have their roles that they play according to the situation that they're in. And this is really helpful for us because it helps us not to pigeonhole them and not to have in our minds, oh, Harry's always the aggressive one or Olivia's always the drama queen or the victim. Do you know what I mean? It really helps us to um, not put roles or titles or um, labels on them that could then restrict them. Because as much as Harry, for example, is um, very, very physical and gives everyone a giant bear hug whether they want it or not, he's also extremely sensitive and he's also um, extremely calm and he's also extremely um, gentle as well. But in certain scenarios, he's this um, very, very physical little boy as well. Um, so whilst we're talking actually about conflict and physical behaviour and aggression, it would be really good, I think, to go on to conflict resolution and how we can support our children in conflict resolution. Um, as with everything with children, the best approach is for us to do as little as possible and to hand it to them to resolve as much as possible. And um, in terms of a sibling dynamic, what this looks like is, um, is lots and lots of questioning. So they are in the, the midst of a battle, shall we say, for the most, uh, the most polite word I can think of it. And, and that will mean getting down to their level and physically blocking. If they're hitting each other, of course, you just need to physically block. Um, and it may be that if they're, one of them is whacking the other with a broom handle, which is what happens quite a lot in my house, then you just have to you know, let go of the broom, um, grab the broom handle so that they, um, they can't hurt each other anymore. And then you can just say, you both feel really strongly about this. I can see you, but it's usually arguing over something they both wanted at the same time, isn't it? Um, so you can say the language to use is, as I said, once you've got on their, on their level and they're not physical with each other anymore, it's, um, I can see you both wanted to play with that at the moment. I can see that you both feel really strongly about that. And then they'll both wail at you and shout at you and all the different things and who did what and he, she bit me and I bit her and all this type of stuff. But it's really um, being the calm rudder in that, really, really being the calm um, rudder and just being really, really, really present and just allowing them to say what they need to. And again, repeating, um, you both feel really strongly about this, don't you? You both feel really strongly about this, don't you? And it's not giving any indication like you do this and you do that. Try not to give any solutions at all. It's giving them the gift of finding a solution. And a question you could use to lead into that would be, you both really feel strongly about it or you really want that at the same time. I wonder how we can resolve this. And then just be, um, really really quiet so you'd say 
oh, this is tough. I wonder how we can resolve this. Or I wonder how you can resolve this. Um, and then just sit and be quiet. And they may carry on with the weeping and wailing and what have you for some time, and that's okay. Um, but just see if you can you can sit with that. And then notice your own feelings um, about how you feel about not resolving it for them. Because if you're used to resolving all of these issues for them, it's going to be a really, really uncomfortable spot for you to be in to sit and not resolve. And, and somebody shouting, Mommy, make me get him to give it back to me. And you know, I'm sure you've heard it all before. Every set of siblings do it, right? Um, so uh, if they are used to you fixing stuff for them, then um, then they will look to you. And it's going to be a process of um, unpicking that to a certain extent. So be patient with yourselves. But basically, your, your three key things to do. So sit at their level and just be super, super calm. Easier said than done, hey? Um, the second thing is give them um, a validation of how they're both feeling. And that validation looks like you both feel really strongly about that, don't you? Or you both wanted that toy at the same time, didn't you? And then your third step is handing them this gift of how are you going to sort this out? And that, and the words that we use for that, that we really find it useful are, um, I wonder how we can resolve this. This is tough. Or what solution can we come up with here? And really then releasing that and letting it go and having the trust that they're going to be able to sort them out. Um, sort it out amongst themselves. You can give them a little bit of a a little bit of a, a hint, and this is what I started doing with Olivia and Harry about a year ago. So when Harry was just turned two, um, and what I did is because we have the sand timers of two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen, and thirty minutes, and um, and then I would say this is my first. I wonder was I wonder if. Um, if you fetch the sand timers, you could find a way for both of you to play with this toy or whatever it was. And then Olivia, because she was older, she would sort of catch on to this and then they'd start doing it. And initially for the first couple of months, of course, because Harry was so much younger, you know, he didn't want to respect the timer, of course, because he was two. Why should he? And it took a bit of getting used to it. But now it is incredible how they're used to that. They're used to finding their own solutions. Sometimes they don't even need the timer. Sometimes Olivia will say straight away, actually, you have it first and then I'll have it afterwards. Um, and there's still all the fighting and the scratching and the biting and everything that's gone on beforehand. But it feels like when we give them this gift and trusting that they can sort it out for themselves, that they will, if we give them these, these tools and just this space and time and this sense of peace and this sense of... Um, power actually we are sending a really strong message that we don't need to fix everything for them because as they get older we're not going well we can't when they're little fix everything for them but even more so as they get older um and these are such vital skills aren't they life skills that you don't have um someone just solving your problems the whole time you're someone's actually giving you the power to solve them um look inside yourself and solve them for yourself um so that's what we do in conflict resolution and it's definitely finding your own language and finding your own words but your steps of um, be calm validate their feelings look to them to find a solution are the three things that, that have worked for us if anyone would like to ask any questions please just dive in um, where uh, whenever you like and I'll and I'll answer as we go along I'm just gonna have a sip of water
So we're inviting collaboration just from our language, and that's our verbal language, but also our body language. We're sitting down with them and we are embodying sort of peace and calm, even though that's the last thing we feel, because we may want to wring both of their necks because it's just been nuts, the amount of fighting that's been going on that day. Um, and then the third thing we can look at, and this is really, really, really interesting, is our feelings around all of this. So when there is conflict um, between the between our children, whether you have um, two, three, four, five children, um, it's our feelings surrounding that, you know, and um, where do we feel that feeling in our body? Do we feel super, super uncomfortable, like we just need to fix it straight away? Do we feel really, really angry that yet again they're fighting, which is kind of normal, but do we feel that? Where do we feel that in our body, that, um, this frustration that we have? And then what's the voice in our head? Is the voice in our head one, an echo of our primary caregivers all those years ago? Um, of you shouldn't be doing that, you're the older one, um, you should know better, uh, and that's what you want to say to your eldest child, or is that voice in your head saying to you, um, you should respect your elders, you know, she's bigger than you, you need to do as she says because she's the eldest, you know, that would be the voice that you, that's what you want, would want to say to your youngest child. And obviously that's all our conditioning and that's all the part of the baggage that we come with. Um, so it's really, really interesting when we're in those moments, particularly when we sit and have that moment of calm where we are not fixing, we are just handing them that gift of, I wonder how we can resolve this. If we can just take that moment, that few seconds to check in with our body and go, okay, how do I feel now? Do I feel super, super uncomfortable with not resolving this situation? Do I really just want to sort it out for them so I can carry on with the cooking or the cleaning or whatever I'm doing. Um, are we thinking straight away, okay, you're the victim, you're the aggressor, you need to stop doing that, be nice, you've got to share, whatever. Um, it's just really interesting to note all of these, um, these thoughts that will go on in our head and this um, unconscious programming that's come before that will influence how we react to this, this type of thing, particularly conflict resolution between siblings. Um, because if we've experienced it in a certain way, then we will just pass it on unconsciously. How we deal with it will, will, will just be passed on unconsciously, whether or not we think that's the best thing for our child. Um, when we get a little bit more conscious, we can observe our thoughts, uh, sorry, observe our behaviours and realise that might not be how we want to respond. But because it's a conditioned um, response laid in for us from early childhood, we're just going to carry on uh, doing that. So it's just really interesting to note how we're feeling, note what's going on with our children, and, um, and, and just see if we can come, come from a place of respect and come from a place of trust that they are going to work this out for themselves, rather than us having to do it for them. I've just had a question. Hi, Pascal. What if one of them always gets his own way, my youngest? He's more loud and more physical, and the eldest is allowing, but obviously not happy. Do we interfere? Do we teach the eldest to be more vocal? Now, this is really interesting, Pascal, because um, this... Oh, sorry, and I had another one. Um, our secret lab says, do we do the same when the younger one just comes to destroy what the older one is building? Our secret lab. I'll come to you um, secondly, and we'll just do Pascal first. Um, Pascal, I'd say that um, 
this stage is going to pass. Um, Leo's only just two, isn't he? Um, and that's very much um, a phase where he will, I don't know, exhibit this behaviour and then Taya will tolerate it as, as it were. And it's very much in, in this stage. As he as Leo's um, language gets more advanced and he matures emotionally, then he's going to be moving away from that. I can see Harry was doing this this time last year. Um, and, and now in the past couple of months, he's definitely moving towards more emotional maturity where um, Olivia, when she's um, stating her boundaries, then he's listening a bit more, not 100% of the time, but he's listening at more, li listening more and respecting more. So I think there's emotional maturity that that that, that happens, and also on Taya's side, um, yes, what it's a de it's a delicate balance because obviously you don't want to make her become an adult um, and try and state her boundaries as an adult would, but you can coach her a little on what what she can say so we talk a lot about boundaries in our household and that's one of the things I say to Olivia say so, you know what is your boundary here do you want rough play or do you not want rough play if you are happy to have um, rough and tumble then let's set a boundary around that what will you permit and what will you not permit so and then put the sand timer on you're going to have rough and tumble for two minutes and then you're going to move on and do something else do you know what I mean so it's very much like letting them know about boundaries by um, inviting a collaboration about it what what is okay and what is not okay of course like boundaries in adult life the children are not going to respect each other's boundaries because they're understanding it they're how the world works and this is part of understanding how the world works but we can really do it really really gently um and for example for the rough and tumble play so the the rule is they can go and do it and bounce on one of their beds they've got both got beds on the floor match just so no one's going to fall off and hurt themselves um the the second boundary is the time what they agree to and the third boundary is what's permitted and what's not so they'll have rough play and they'll you know hit each other and be rough with each other but um olivia will say okay no hair pulling and no kicking and of course sometimes that works beautifully and sometimes it doesn't you know but it's definitely helping each child understand about boundaries um leo will grow out of such um intensity and um will see you helping Taylor with boundaries and will see his sister starting to impose some boundaries and um and then that will help him with his emotional maturity and also the hardest hardest part of this is to just sit and empathize with your eldest and when she's just being driven mad or he's just being driven mad if your son is the older one um is to make is to just sit with them and say yeah it's it's really frustrating isn't it i i can see you're really frustrated and you feel really bothered by that or something like that and and that can be quite hard to do, but just sitting and um, and maybe asking that question again, like with conflict resolution. I wonder, I wonder what we can do to resolve this. I wonder how we can make this easier for Leo to understand that you don't want to be bothered at the moment. I wonder what you can do to um, help him explain, uh, help him see that you're working with something or that you don't want to be interrupted. So again, just giving them these gifts of um, of, of conflict resolution. 
and stating their boundaries and using their voice but this is very much in collaboration with us we're not expecting them to sort out adult problems at age two and five at all this is with our support and our presence so i hope that helps pascal um, and our secret lab could you tell me how old your children are um, in response to your question your question was do we do the same when the younger one just comes to destroy what the older one is building um i'd love to know the names uh, the ages of your children but if it doesn't come in time what i will say is that um depending on the age it will really depend on your response here for example a um uh okay two and seven. Oh, nice very very nice so your seven year old is in the second plane of development so it's very very keen on things being precise and built in a certain way and is building with a, a plan in mind so for a two-year-old yes to come and destroy that is um is is hard for both of them actually because the two-year-old will want to knock down stuff because that's what two-year-olds want to do and need to do at that age so if you are able if you're not already in the space but if you can get yourself into the space of knowing that your seven-year-old's reaction of annoyance is normal developmentally appropriate and your two-year-old wanting to go and knock stuff or destroy that is developmentally appropriate for their age as well and sometimes that can just help us have an empathy for both for both child uh, both children sorry for what i did with harry when he was really when he was really little before he really got it was um whenever olivia was building something i just noted that he that, that she was getting in her flow and knowing what because what was going to happen because he was little i would just gently go over and i would pull him onto my lap um or try and put myself between him and her or her him and her work or her play whatever and just be ready to block if I needed to and I would sit if I had the chance for him to sit on my knee I would sort of give him a running commentary of what she was doing so I say look she's building up all the blocks she's building a really high tower isn't she and if he kept on getting up and I'd know and I'd say do you want to you want to it feels like you want to knock it down don't you um, let's let Olivia build it we're gonna wait let's watch what she's doing let's watch what she's doing and almost like coaching him that um, validating what he was feeling, validating he wanted to go and get involved, he wanted to touch it, and it was okay he wanted to do that, but it was also okay that Olivia wasn't going to let him, you know? So it's just that support. Um, as he's little enough for, to sit on your lap and hold him, if you can, if he's very impulsive, then you may need to yell yeah, sit and hold him or block him um, as it was if he wants to go and knock things down. But it's um, and then the other side of that coaching is uh, is speaking to your eldest, you know, in those scenarios and say, yeah, he really, your little brother, your little sister really wants to knock that down. That's what that's what two year olds do. And I know it's really hard for both of you. You both want to do different things in this scenario. Um, I wonder what solution we could come come up with. He really wants to do this, and you really want to do that. I wonder if we can find a solution. Um, and your seven-year-old, I bet you, has got some amazing solutions of what uh, if we can give them this gift back. Um, and I'm sure that uh, he or she will come up with a solution that there will be specific times where she will build something, and then the two-year-old can come and destroy it. And then there's other times that he doesn't want that to happen. Um, for example. I could think of if you had two mats, just off the top of my head, if you had two different coloured work mats, 
Um, and if it's on a certain colour mat, then they could knock it down. And if it's on a different colour mat, then they can't. I don't know, something like that. But it's going to take support um, over a long period of time. And I guess with Pascal, I didn't, uh, I didn't add that. As I said, this is between two and three when I really started bringing in all of this conflict resolution and really supporting them in um, working with each other, working separately, observing. So that's a whole year of work. And I'm now only seeing the results of that, of um, Harry being able to defer his wishes. Not every time. Invariably now, it's Olivia that will charge in and knock something down that Harry's doing, which then brings it a different dynamic, a completely different dynamic. Um, but uh, with with your age gap, our secret lab, um, I think there's a really beautiful opportunity to have some really lovely um, conflict resolution there and big open questions of I wonder how you can resolve this and lots of empathy for both sides and lots of validation of both sides. And I hope that helps. Are there any more questions that anyone would like? I'm just going to take another sip. And it's so funny because I've just glanced at the clock and every time I do one of these I think I'm only going to be 20 minutes and it's always 35. Um, <laughs> so it's really interesting. Um, if there uh, aren't any more questions for this evening, I'm going to wrap up and I hope this has been a little insight into sibling dynamics. Um, in order to recap, would, I'll just go over what I said from the beginning, which is um, a sibling bond will be longer lasting than their bond with us, their parents. This dynamic within the family is again one of the foundations, one of the building blocks of relationships as they go out into the world, as they become adult. Um, their play, dynamic in their play, is really, really interesting and it's good to observe that because they'll try on different roles and be different people in that role play, which will um, give you an insight into who they really are and what their dynamic is. And they may behave very differently in their play as they do in real life. Um, conflict resolution, just three really simple steps. Get down to the level and be calm. The second one is validate that what they're both feeling. And the third one is give them the gift of, I wonder how we can resolve this. So, thank you so much, all of you, for joining me. I will be doing another Insta Live on Top Tip Tuesday. Um, this coming Tuesday, what are we today? We're Friday, so in four days' time. And I look forward to seeing you all again. Have a fantastic weekend and thank you so much for joining me. If you're not doing so already, please follow me and answer uh, and send me any questions you would like answered. I'm happy to answer questions in this format of InstaLive. So anything that you'd like a little bit more insight on that I can help with, then I'd love to do so. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you for the hearts. Lots of love. Have a great weekend. Bye bye.